This is Crane's Daily Gist. I'm Amy Guth. Today on the podcast, Governor Pritzker looks to form the Midwest version of the regional COVID coordination seen among governors on the West Coast and in the Northeast. We'll talk about that and other stories coming up on the podcast today. But first, this word from our sponsor. Your health and well-being are top of mind right now, and that includes your financial security. Wintrust Mortgage can help. They provide refinance solutions so you can take advantage of low rates to reduce payments. And they have the sophisticated technology to let you go through the process conveniently from home. Uncertainty can add stress to an already tense time. Rely on Wintrust Mortgage. Visit wintrustmortgage.com slash refi. Wintrust Mortgage is a division of Barrington Bank and Trust Company N.A., and MLS number 449042, equal housing lender. Earlier today, I spoke with Crane's senior reporter Steve Daniels about important topics to consider in terms of the economy, starting with auto insurers giving COVID-era rebates to consumers. Here's what he had to say. Most of the largest, in fact, all of the largest auto insurers have now announced rebate or credit program to provide their customers during this period in which so few people are driving. And as a result, those insurers are going to be much lower than normal losses that they have to pay out. I think what I wrote about uh, was about the generosity of some of those programs versus other programs and how certainly at least some of those insurers are likely to still reap very significant windfall profits even after even after announcing these programs in the hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars of rebate. And part of that is just simply the difficulty in projecting just, you know, A, how long does this period go on in which so few people are driving? And then B, what is the actual reduction in loss numbers? But the early indications were that we're talking of at least 30% decline in, uh, in those payouts. Um, and then I looked at Allstate, big locally based insurer, and obviously a, a big insurer in uh, Illinois as well, the second largest insurer of cars in the state. Off its $600 million program of rebates, which yeah, they were to their credit the first to come out with this of any of the insurers and kind of put the rest of the industry on its heels so that they had to respond. But nonetheless, just some back of the envelope math showed that uh, if there's a 30% reduction in losses in the second quarter, they'll make another $600 million in profit. Profit even after the six hundred million in give back, which is like a dollar and fifty cents per share in earnings. So that's a lot. And it kind of gives you the sense of, as to uh, this very weird you know, most industries in the financial sector are going to suffer in one form or another from from this pandemic, but uh, at least the auto insurance industry uh, won't be one of those. Now other elements of the insurance industry could, but it just shows we're living in bizarre times. We truly are. I realize there's still so much of this up in the air, but looking way down the road, does this kind of windfall for insurance companies now, does that sort of forecast a hyper-competitiveness for consumers later? It could. It depends on how various players in the industry react. Right now, I think analysts do not expect that, and I don't see any signs of it uh, effectively uh, You know, at the moment. Effectively, insurers right now, this is, this is a play to keep their customers that they have on board as opposed to winning new ones. And I think being perceived within the industry as a temporary situation. So they're not filing for, you know, normal rate cuts that would then, you know, go into effect for the next year. Um, which is normally how they 
set rates. This is very abnormal in the insurance industry to, to do this sort of short-term or temporary credit or payback. Um, it gets into the weeds in terms of insurance regulation, which is a state-by-state thing. But this is not how state insurance commissions set rates, and they're making some exceptions for a crazy time to allow these insurers to do this. If this goes on, though, and you see this reduction in driving activity, something that is going to be, if not at these levels, there's still going to be at some significant level less than what is normally the case for the next two years. And I do think you're going to see insurers who are interested in building market share get aggressive on rates. Now, which ones would those be? You know, that would be anybody's guess, but it just takes one. It just takes one. It's like, it's like airlines and setting fares, you know, and then other people have to react in some way, shape, or form. Or if they don't, they risk losing too many of their policyholders for their own comfort to competitors. So that could happen, but I do think that that will take a little bit more clarity on how long this all lasts before we see any of these players do that. In reporting this story, what, what details stood out to you is maybe more, most striking or, or, or really unique? Well, it, the fact that Allstate came out and surprised the rest of the big players in the industry with this maneuver was really not, it was really unusual. I mean, normally this is the kind of thing that a insurer would need to sort of run up the flagpole with its regulators in various states, make sure it's okay. And then, you know, roll it out a little bit more gradually. But Allstate just came out and declared it. Said, we're going to do this. They didn't, as far as I know, have approval from any single state to do it when they announced that. So they put their regulators on the spot sort of in a calculated way, I think, you know, assuming that nobody was going to say no to refunding customers in, in a time like this. And it put the rest of their uh, rivals really on the spot. And they all had to react within days. It took State Farm, the largest auto insurer in the country, also based in Illinois, you know, three or four days to figure out what they were going to do, which uh, I think, at least I presumed that they hadn't thought a lot about this before Allstate came out with it, or else they would have had it in place the next day or something. So that was just highly unusual. And uh, you just, you know, the insurance business isn't inherently fascinating. Typically, the players are copycats. It's a more creative industry than it used to be, but it's still not on the cutting edge of a lot of stuff all the time. That was pretty striking, and at least within the context of that industry. I want to shift a little bit and talk about bank earnings, because that is uh, something making a lot of headlines so far this week. Yeah, I mean, today, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase kicked off earnings season for the banks, and it was, as you might imagine, a much more highly anticipated earnings report than normal. You know, Chase is the biggest bank in the country, one of the biggest in the world. So looking through their report for signs of clues as to how the the economy is doing, because they, they touch basically every part of the economy. They're so huge. They're the biggest credit card lender in the land. They're the huge corporate lender, middle market companies. They have a giant middle market lending business and obviously all kinds of other consumer loans. And then, of course, on Wall Street is an investment bank and a trading outfit as well. So what we, I think what stood out was first, not surprising, but they are reserving heavily for loan losses. So they added on a net basis $7 billion to absorb future loan losses. You know, they've been doing basically a, a billion a quarter or something like that tops for the last while here. So $7 billion tells you 
okay, it's going to be bad. Where Where is most of that coming from? Credit cards. Almost $4 billion of that seven is reserving for credit card losses. So the consumer is where Chase is foreseeing a pretty t- and terrible hit. And the other thing, too, is this is just an opening bit. I mean, they, they made it clear that they'll be heavily reserving in future quarters that since the March 31st date in which, you know, that's the date at which the first quarter ended, their, you know, scenarios have worsened and that you can probably expect a bigger reserve in the second quarter than that. So they're earning, they're still profitable. They still made money in the first quarter. Of course, the world fell apart really in the last two weeks of the first quarter. So again, that's not necessarily indicative of very much, but, you know, you know, it's reassuring that they, they still made money. When you looked at the underlying results in terms of how many people were behind on their loans, things of that nature, there was nothing that screamed out, oh, my God, this is already at emergency levels, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I think they had indicated that something like 4% of their mortgage borrowers had asked for relief. You know, they're offering it. They, you, know, you can come to them and say, hey, I lost my job or whatever, and you don't have to pay your mortgage for at least three months. So 4% wasn't too awful of a number given the unemployment stuff we've seen. So it was a mixed bag, but you know, we'll see a lot more as the rest of the industry reports. But Chase, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely showed just sharp, sharply deteriorating economics and much more stressful times with the worst yet to come. But all that said, and you and I have talked a lot about unemployment numbers and about consumer credit and and their standing as as economic indicators. But here we see this painting the picture of the economic crisis at hand, but also things like relatively small numbers in terms of mortgages. And you noted it was kind of a mixed bag. So all that said, are these moves tracking about as expected or are they moving slower than expected? I think that the fact that the you know earnings first quarter cut off at March 31st, we're at April 14th right now. In coronavirus time, two weeks is like two years, right? So March 31st is like a lifetime ago, it seems like. I mean, we've had since that time millions and millions file for unemployment. Right. And we're seeing uh, Wall Street Journal had a good story today showing how the, the first wave of layoffs from the pandemic came in the in the restaurant and the hotel, the entertainment industries, things that you would expect. The second wave already is hitting the white collar workforce, lawyers, people in, in, in the construction business or, or journalists, for that matter. The uh, And that there's going to be probably that mortgage number that you see from Chase with 4 percent coming and asking for relief is going to be much, much higher with white-collar workers losing their jobs. So I think this is going at a very accelerated pace. It's just that that March 31st cutoff date is sort of artificial. You're, you're sort of stuck in time. And again, in, in this, the way things are moving so fast right now, that's kind of an awfully long time ago. It seems weird to say it, but it is. So given everything that you've just laid out about J.P. Morgan Chase, what does that translate to for the average credit consumer? I think the average credit consumer can't is in a position where if they lose their job or lose their in, or see their income fall a lot, they will be able to go to a bank like Chase and get relief at least in the near term. You know that's okay. You don't need to pay anything. You just need to you know just tell us what's gone on. It maybe show us and then don't worry about paying your credit card bills, etc. For the next ninety days, and then we'll figure it out from there. I, I think that's true across the economy. 
you know, you go to your landlord and say, I lost my job. I can't pay my rent. Well, okay, how much can you pay? And then you have these conversations go back and forth. Uh, in the meantime, of course, the landlord can't throw you out because there's a, a moratorium on that. But but those are the kinds of things that the consumers and, for that matter, the businesses are going to go through. So, you know, right now we're just in a, in a crisis kind of stage. And, and I think, at least from what I'm hearing, most of the institutions are acknowledging that and behaving appropriately. What else would you say is top of mind this week in terms of thinking about the state of the economy? Well, the other thing we haven't even talked about is the uh, PPP loan program, the the small business program that the Treasury put together that to have all this sort of uh, rescue money distributed to to small businesses uh, with the goal of keeping their people employed. So we've seen that start to roll out. We've seen two local banks who uh, you know have done a pretty it would appear a pretty decent job of this. Wintrust and CIBC talk about just unreal numbers of uh, applications and money that they, they, you know, they, when I spoke to them on Friday, they hadn't rolled the money out yet, but the applications have been processed. So we're talking about 9,000 plus businesses, most of those in the Chicago area, with $5 billion plus being distributed to those businesses just from two banks. Now, Chase talked today about, you know, they're the biggest bank in the country. They talked about uh, having already dispersed $8 billion, and this is all over the country, not just here. And I think $36 billion was the total that they had in the pipeline. So those are, those are the, the program was slow to get off the mark, but the money does seem to be flowing now. So that's good. I will continue to watch that because that is very critical, I think, in the near term to keeping people employed, which is critical, not I mean, it's definitely critical for them paying their bills and all that other thing. But the biggest reason to keep them employed is that's how they get their health insurance. You go on unemployment, you, sure, you get some money to pay your bills, but you lose your health insurance. And I think that's a maybe not as well appreciated of a factor in all of this as it should be. So that program and its successful impl- implementation is just simply critical to both keeping people financially secure right now, but also keeping them healthy. Which is no small thing during, given the situation. Lots of things. All right. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk them through today. Sure. My pleasure. Coming up on the podcast, Grubhub and DoorDash are among the delivery services facing an antitrust suit. We'll talk more about that story and others right after this word from our sponsor. Crane's Daily Gist is brought to you by Barnes & Thornburg, a national law firm that believes in providing uncommon value for clients who shape our everyday lives. Barnes & Thornburg, at the heart of business in Chicago, across the nation, and around the world. Online at btlaw.com. For a daily roundup of stories about how the coronavirus outbreak is affecting businesses and the economy, sign up for our free newsletter at chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update. That's all one word, coronavirus update. Also, the paywall has been dropped for all coronavirus stories at chicagobusiness.com, but we encourage you to consider subscribing to support our journalism. And if you receive cranes in print at the office and you're missing it while you're working from home, know that you can always access the electronic edition anytime at Chicago business.com slash digital edition.
Looking to today's stories with an eye on the coast, Governor Pritzker has started talking with his peers in other Midwestern states about creating a joint policy on how to reopen the Midwest economy as the COVID-19 pandemic curve appears anyway to be flattening. Pritzker's office confirmed that both he and key staff members have been on the phone as governors in the Northeast and Pacific Coast areas step up regional coordination in advance of an expected national move by President Trump that may or may not fit with local priorities. President Trump yesterday said he has the sole power when it comes to deciding how to proceed to revive the national economy, even though the stay-at-home orders that battered the economy and forced millions of layoffs were imposed separately by various, though not all, governors, including Pritzker. But beyond that, while all of the West Coast and all but one of the Northeast states have Democratic governors and are culturally similar, the Midwest is a bit more varied, with Democrats and Republicans splitting control of the governorships and legislatures. Here in Illinois, the possibilities for adopting a joint policy might best lie in the two other states that make up part of the Chicago metro area, Indiana and Wisconsin, since all of that is essentially one big economy of nearly 10 million people. Wisconsin has a Democratic governor, Tony Evers, and Indiana, a Republican one, Eric Holcomb. But COVID-19 cases have been rising rapidly in Indiana, and all three states have pretty big manufacturing industries. A spokesperson for Governor Pritzker declined to say how other Midwestern governors are responding so far but did say that some announcement could come as soon as later this week. Earlier today, Chicago-based Boeing reported another 75 cancellations for its 737 MAX jetliner in March, further deepening the crisis the company faces amid the coronavirus pandemic, as well as the grounding of its best-selling plane starting in March of 2019 after two fatal crashes. The plane maker posted a total of 150 cancellations, including 75 reported earlier by Irish leasing company Avalon. However, net cancellations for the month come in at 119 due to 31 orders for wide-body passenger planes and military aircraft. But in any case, all this comes as Boeing still works to sort out delivery after putting a stop to max production in January after delays getting back into the air. The company is scheduled to release first quarter earnings on April 29th, when executives are expected to describe in detail just how much financial damage the virus has had on aircraft demand and to share steps the company's taking in order to weather the crisis. Boeing last month sought $60 billion in federal aid for itself and its supply chains. But CEO Dave Calhoun said he strongly opposed government equity stakes in exchange for government relief. Banks are being inundated with requests from hospitals for new lines of credit as they work to combat the spread of the coronavirus and as they see a steep drop in revenue because all but the most essential operations have been postponed. A Wells Fargo securities analyst said hospitals are facing higher costs due to spending on equipment like masks, ventilators, and medication, while revenue has, quote, fallen off a cliff. Both big hospitals like New York Presbyterian, which is located in the epicenter of the U.S. outbreak, and smaller ones not currently on on the front lines are making arrangements for new facilities and drawing on those they've already secured to get quick access to cash. And that signals concern about whether they have enough to deal with the pandemic's costs even after the federal stimulus extended about $100 billion of aid. The requests are adding to the pressure facing Wall Street as businesses across pretty wide swaths of the economy are looking for cash to weather the severe economic slowdown. According to data compiled by Bloomberg, so far, hospitals have drawn down more than $1.3 billion from existing lines of credit. About another billion of new arrangements have been secured and a growing number of hospitals have said in regulatory filings that they're looking to arrange such credit lines. Find more on this story and others at chicagobusiness.com.
Venture capital investments in Chicago area companies dipped 4% in the first quarter from the previous three months, even as nationally investment went up by 10%. Chicago deals totaled $351 million in the first quarter, down from $365 million in the fourth quarter and $483 million a year earlier. That according to PitchBook and the National Venture Capital Association. Total funding in Chicago for the first quarter was 26% below the median quarterly level of $400. 77 million over the past two years. It was also the third straight quarter of decline. The number of investments also fell to 58 deals in the first quarter from 82 deals in the fourth quarter. Venture funding also slowed in New York, dropping 32% from the prior quarter to 3.4 billion, but deals in LA increased 30% to 3.5 billion. Deals in San Francisco, which is the nation's top market for startups and venture funding, what was Silicon Valley and all, rose 41% to 16 16.9 billion. In one final story for today, a group of New York consumers have sued Chicago-based Grubhub along with DoorDash, Postmates, and Uber Eats, accusing them of forcing restaurants to charge higher prices as the industry has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. The delivery services were accused in the antitrust lawsuit filed yesterday in federal court in New York of using their market power to stop restaurants from discounting meals to customers who order directly, even though it's cheaper to do that. The plaintiffs said, quote, restaurants could offer consumers lower prices for direct sales because direct consumers are more profitable. Continuing, this is particularly true of dine-in consumers who purchase drinks and additional items, tip staff, and generate goodwill. The New York customers who seek class action status in the suit say the delivery services charge exorbitant fees that range from 13 to 40 percent of revenue, while the average restaurant's profit ranges from 3 to 9 percent of revenue, making delivery meals more expensive for restaurants. Until tomorrow, that's all for Crane's Daily Gist. Special thanks to producer Haima Black as well as to today's guest, Steve Daniels. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories most on your mind. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here tomorrow.